we're going to be looking at um, just inner enemies. We've been talking in our last series, we talked about living in Babylon, and that series was more about external enemies, things that surround us. For the next few weeks, we want to talk about those internal enemies uh, that uh, wage war against us, and so that's that's where we're going today. If you got your Bible, we're going to start in the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 139 is where we're going to go, so you can go ahead and start turning there, Psalm chapter 139. Now, um, how many of you are willing to suffer for fashion? One, two, three, you're willing to suffer for fashion. How many of your your fashion is just suffering? Yeah, yeah, there we go. All right, there's more of us, right? Uh, no, that's this question about how many of you are willing to suffer for fashion. It's kind of going to point us where we're going to go today. So in the, in the early 1800s, um, the color green actually became very popular uh, because uh, all the other colors seemed to fade when uh, you, they would they would make dresses out of them, and it seemed like the color green uh, began to have some kind of staying power, and so it became very popular in the 1800s to, for ladies to wear green dresses. Not only did it become a very popular color for, for dresses, it became a very popular color just overall. People began painting uh, with this color more. Uh, you can go look at, uh, I think it is the Monet's. Monet's, uh, he, he's painted a lot with, with green colors. Um, and people began to wallpaper their homes in green, and it's almost like an emerald-type green. And so it became very popular. Uh, and this, uh, I think it's around that time that uh, people uh, got the, the, the popularity of the, the statement green with envy uh, started. And so ladies would wear these green dresses. But what they began to notice was that uh, many of them started getting sick. And uh, they would begin to vomit. Uh, they would uh, have skin lesions. And uh, many uh, of them began to develop cancer. And what they found was this, is that the green that they were using, and it was called a specific color green. I think I have, uh, I have that, that slide up there. Can you, can you give me that slide? I think it's called Paris Green or Shields Green. Anybody ever heard of that? Paris Green or Shields Green. And so this was the, this was the green. And, and what they, they would do is they would take and make this color green by mixing copper and arsenic. <laughs> High levels of arsenic were used to create this Paris green, this very popular color green. And so people didn't want to believe it. It was so popular uh, that people just said, listen, just don't lick the wallpaper, right? As, as, long as, you, as long as you don't get really close to the wallpaper. We don't want to believe it. We don't want to believe that that's it. But uh, people, that they, they got in their head that uh, they, they didn't want to believe that this was cr- creating this chaos of sickness in them. And so it, it was something that was internally wrong. They had allowed this to, uh, this, this, these dyes and these dresses, when, when ladies would sweat, it would, be able, it would, get, it would just kind of seep through. And so uh, people were getting sick. Uh, hopefully we've learned something since then, right? Um, we fast forward about 100 years, and you get to the early uh, 1900s. In the early 1900s, uh, that well, right there, probably about, I think it was 1896, uh, the discovery of radium 
uh, was was brought about. And radium was this thing that uh, people used. It was just people thought it was amazing, right? That uh, radium was going to change everybody's life. Uh, radium uh, had energy in it. And so what they began to do is they began to make lipstick and toothpaste and cosmetics out of radium, right? Because they thought that it had energy in it, right? And that it was going to create a glow, right? And it did create a glow, just probably not the way they thought, right? And, and so they had, they had radium that uh, was infused in all these cosmetics. And once again, people began to vomit and people began to suffer from internal bleeding and the effects of cancer. And they're trying to figure out what's going on and, and realize that uh, all these products had radium in it. There was even a product called Radithor. And Radithor uh, was basically, uh, yeah, this little bottle, and it says, uh, it says on the bottle, it says radium and mesothorium in triple distilled water. Okay? That makes it better. It's in triple distilled water, right? And, and there, was this, there was this golfer named, uh, his name was uh, Eben Byers, Eben Byers. And he had an arm injury. And so he began to use this stuff on his arm. He began to drink. He drank 1,400 doses of this stuff until his teeth fell out and he died, right? And, and so the effects of the stuff, finally people began to see, hey, this is not good. And so they realized it, it was things that we, they were ingesting and, and had internal, internal problems. And so... When you talk about suffering for fashion, suffering for this, we have to look and say sometimes uh, we can only endure so much, so much toxicity, right? Sometimes we can only endure so much that our bodies uh, just say, stop, please stop. I want us to talk today about this idea of, of toxic, this idea of toxic thoughts. And that's where we're, where we're going today is toxic thoughts because it's an internal thing. And that's internally what we deal with, and it can have um, just it can create havoc in our life, just like these these products created havoc for people in the 1800s and 1900s. Toxic thoughts have the way of becoming an internal enemy for us. And if we're going to, to define toxic, this is how toxic gets defined: substances that pose a potential danger or risk to human life. Right. So what's killing you? What are the, the toxic things, the toxic thoughts that are killing us? And let's start with our thinking, the patterns and the habits that we default to. What are those, those patterns and habits that you default to in your life? Now, Dr. Henry Cloud is, and you've heard me reference him before, he's an author and he's a well-known psychologist. And uh, Dr. Cloud, he uh, talks in his books, uh, he's got a, very, a series of books called Boundaries, um, Boundaries in Parenting, Boundaries in Marriage, Boundaries just through relationships. And uh, Dr. Cloud talks about the three Ps, and I want to share with you his, his three Ps real quick of basically how we deal with toxic thoughts it's things that we become habitual negative thinkers and, and what that does to us and he says these three, these three p's they start out like this um we revert to the three p's first off is the first p and it's personal right um that when something happens when we we have something that that's negative happen to us and maybe we didn't really plan for it or we didn't really factor in for it but maybe something happens that that you just really don't like it's negative we make it personal it happens when you look at the data and that data says well whatever it is 
this fell short. And instead of saying, that's bad, you say to yourself, I'm bad, right? That's how we make it personal. Anybody, you, you know what I'm talking about? Where, where you've had something happen, and instead of saying, well, man, that's, that's bad, I'm bad because that's happened. And he says the first thing that we do is we make it personal. And we have to be careful because there's a world of difference between taking things seriously and taking things personally. We have to take things seriously, but we don't have to take it all personally, right? Just because something bad happens doesn't mean that I am a bad person. It just means, man, this is a bad thing that happened. But one of those things that we default to is this negative thinking, these bad habits of thinking, is that we make it personal. He says, so this is the first area. The first P is we make it personal. And then from, from making it personal, we make it then pervasive. Not only does it become personal, then it becomes pervasive. And when it becomes pervasive, in your mind, you're no good at anything. And you find yourself saying things like, everything I do is bad at work, at home. Actually, I just fail leading at, at anything, right? And, and this is when it becomes pervasive. It, it, it touches everything. At least we think so. Uh, anybody ever been there? Right? It's just like you have a bad day and then everything, everything's bad. I felt like that yesterday. Uh, we went and uh, I, I'm trying to buy a truck. I have sent my truck to college with my son. And so I've been bumming vehicles for the last month, which is horrible, right? And, uh, you know, I've had to drive the church van home. My neighbor yelled at me the other day. He's like, hey, that's not a good look for you. You know, go buy something. And so I'm getting berated by my neighbors. And, and, and so I was trying to buy a truck, and I went down to go buy the truck yesterday. And the guy looks at me and says, your truck's not ready. And it's like the second time I've been there to try to buy this truck. And he's like, listen, your truck's not ready. And so I, I just I left. I was kind of I was a little bit in a miffed about that. And he said, you know what? I'm hungry. Let's go get something to eat. So we pull into Zaxby's. And I pull up to the drive-thru at Zaxby's, and I'm sta- sitting there. And, I, and she says, hey, can you give me just a second? And that second turns into to minutes, and those minutes turn into hours. Those minutes and those hours turn into weeks, right? And I feel I feel like I'm just sitting there and sitting there, and me and Randy's just looking. I hear that I hear like the little speaker, it's clicking, right? It's click click. Uh, hello, hello, you about to take my order, sir? Can you wait just a minute, please? I'm like, you know what I did? I just drove off. I just drove away. I just drove away, and, and I gave them the look as I came through the drive-thru. This is me driving off. You're not getting my money. You know what I did? I went to the next Zaxby's because I'm, I'm, I'm committed to having Zaxby's, right? I pull up to the speaker. Nobody's there. I pull up to the speaker, and the lady says, Sir, can you wait just a minute? And I'm like, oh! And it was just, you know... Finally, we, we get home, and I sit down, and we look at each other, and we got this food in front of us, and I say, and I, and I look at Raina, and I said, should we pray, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, and it's very evident to me in that moment, there's this contrast that I just feel like I'm just grumpy about everything at that moment. Everything's bad. Everybody's dumb, you know, and People just can't get their stuff right, and it's just, I'm just, I'm irritated. And I'm thinking, now I have to ask God and say, God, thank you for this food, right? And it was very evident to me that, you know, I just, it was weird. 
and, and sometimes we do that. Sometimes when something bad happens, we'll make it personal. And it's not this bad thing has happened, then we make it I'm bad. And, and then we let that roll into being pervasive. Everything's bad, and everyone's bad, and life is just horrible, right? And then the third P we roll into is it becomes permanent, right? And we think that not only have we convinced ourselves uh, that you don't have what it takes and that you're bad at everything, now you start telling yourself that, you're, uh, that your failure is permanent, right? And so we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful when these things start happening that when we make it personal and then we think it's pervasive and then we think, you know what, this is just how it is. It's permanent. You'll always be this bad and there's no hope for change, right? There's a lady by the name of Allison, um, Allison Ledgerwood, Allison Ledgerwood, and she, she is a social psychologist. I was, I was watching some of her stuff this week, and it was interesting because um, she put up this glass of water. Can you put up the, uh, the, the yeah, that's her. She said, um, yeah, that's her, right? Allison, real quick. Uh, but this is, this, is, this, is, this is what she said. Uh, she said, basically, she said, people are like this. Um, you can look at the glass of water, and you have two thoughts here. The glass is either what? Half. <laughs> Some of y'all, what, what was the first one that you went with, right? That's the kind of person you are, right? Is it half full or is it half empty, right? And, and so if you see that the glass is uh, half full, right? You can go to the next slide, Blake. That next slide, it says, if you see that it's half full, what you do is that is gain framing. You gain frame it. That you see the gain, that things are half full, right? But some of us, we do the opposite. We go the other way. Next, next slide. And we loss frame it, that it is half empty, that we've lost something here. And she said this. She, she made the, the comment that um, basically when we get to this stage, that it's difficult for us to start seeing things in positive ways, that if we start loss framing everything, it is hard to come back from that. And that it has a way of just kind of rolling out. Um, she she made this uh, basically this an, another graph where she said basically if we all started on a baseline, you know, with our emotions and something good happened and we have a spike where we go up and something positive happened, that's great. You know, at some point we're going to come back down to that baseline. And she said this. She said, but what if something bad happens and you kind of dip, right? She said, and and you kind of get through that. She said, you don't really come back up to the baseline. Actually, we have a tendency to stay down. And, and, and that's just the studies that they've done um, through uh, the, the university that she works with is that people really have to work hard to get out of this loss framing, to get out of this negative thinking, to, to get away from everything's bad, just what Dr. Cloud said, everything's, we make it personal, we make it pervasive, and we make it permanent, right? And this negative thinking, and so it's toxic to us. And, and we have to work hard to get away from this. So what do we do? Um, and, and first off, we really kind of have to admit what's going on. And this is just kind of the first statement that I want to give you today, is we will not win the battles that we refuse to admit. We won't win those battles. We have to admit first that, hey, this is a struggle. This is a problem, right? We have to just own up to it and acknowledge, hey, this is where it's, what's going on. We will not win the battles that we refuse to admit. 
Now, I want us to go to Psalm chapter 39. So what do we do about this? Where do we go from here? If we realize, hey, man, there's, uh, you know, I have a struggle with making things personal. I have a, I have a struggle with, with it becoming pervasive. I just think every, not just this thing's bad, but now I'm bad and everything's bad and everybody's bad. The whole world's bad. Everything stinks, right? And then it becomes permanent. Nothing is ever going to get better. What do we do with this? Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, if we get to the end of Psalm 139, I love this psalm, and, and some of you know this, this psalm um, well. We get to the end of Psalm 139, and what does, he, what does he say? What does he pray? He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So search me, try me, see. It's, it's, it's this an invitation for God, an invitation for the Holy Spirit. Hey, God, look at me. Look what's going on in me. God, help me to identify. Help me to see what's happening here. I don't want to be oblivious to it. I don't want to just walk through life and just, just be oblivious to my issues and my problems. God, help me to identify this. Search me out, oh God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's anything in me and lead me. Don't just, just, don't just leave me there, but lead me out of this. Lead me in the way everlasting. Second Corinthians. If we go to Second Corinthians, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, and this is, this is what he said in Second Corinthians um, chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. And he says, For though we walk in the flesh... You know, this physical life, we're walking around in this physical life. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is anything that has a grip on you that keeps you from becoming what God intends for you to be. That's a stronghold. A stronghold is anything that has a grip on you that keeps you from becoming and reflecting and thinking and, and becoming what God wants you to be. So what are those things in your life? What are those strongholds, right? And Paul addresses that, these strongholds. And so the weapons that we fight with, they're not weapons that are fleshly, but the weapons that we fight with have divine power to destroy these strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the what? The knowledge of God. And take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. This is what he's basically saying is this. He's like, we have to take captive these thoughts. We have to identify toxic thinking, negative thinking, and we have to not only take them captive, identify them, but we have to take them captive. We have to arrest them and make them obedient to Christ. Make them obedient how to Christ. Well, how do you do that? When we follow Christ, when Jesus, Jesus did two things when he came, and in John, you can go read this in John chapter 1, two things that, that John says in John chapter 1, Jesus came, that the word became flesh, and that Jesus came, he is that word, and that he came in what? Grace. How many of you like grace? Love grace. Grace is amazing. And we sing about it. Amazing grace. Right? We need that grace. We love that grace. But he said he came in grace and what? Truth. 
grace and truth. He said, not only do you need grace, not only do you need God's grace to say, hey, you messed this up, you screwed this up, but I'm going to give you another shot, right? I am, I am going to pick you up and help you walk. But we also need truth. We need God's truth. We've got to call out the lies that we live out. There are lies that we live out day after day after day after day, right? There are things that we tell ourselves that are not true. You ever been guilty of that? Yeah, you, you are. You've been guilty of that. Whether you raise your hand or not, you have told yourself at some point something that is not true because you didn't want to, you know, look at what was really true or, you know, you, you just really, somebody told you that and you really began to believe that. And that's what happened all the way back in Genesis. In Genesis chapter, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, when you see the fall, you see that the, the snake comes, the serpent comes, and he starts asking, did God really say did God really say? Starts putting doubt in our mind and, and gets us to begin to buy the lie. And so we allow lies to take place that it doesn't belong. It, 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 it Take a, a basically a, a position in our life that really it's, it's, it's a rebel thing. It, it doesn't belong there. And we have to call that out. And Paul says we have to arrest that and make it obedient to Christ and obedient to God's truth because it sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And so we can look at Romans, Romans chapter 12. And I'll just read it off the screen, Blake. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Romans 12, and it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. And your bodies is your fingers, your toes, your elbows, you know, your brain, your emotions, all these things that, that come along with that to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Next verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed. Transformed how? By the renewal of your mind. By testing what, uh, by that by testing you may be able to discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect, right? This is, this is what he calls us to. He says, listen, he says, you've got to be transformed here, not just in your heart, not just given grace, but you've got to let that truth be pervasive in your life. Just like the lies become pervasive, the truth has to become pervasive. The truth has to touch everything in every part of you. And so this is it. The root of most sins we commit outwardly is the false beliefs we embrace inwardly. Right? The root of most sins that we commit outwardly, what happens? They start because we embrace false beliefs inwardly. We embrace it here in our heart. We embrace it here in our mind. And therefore, we start acting on these things. Right? And so for us, we, we have to say, okay, what do we do about that? So we've, we've talked about recognizing it. We've talked about, hey, we have to take it captive. And I love what um, Kerry, uh, Kerry Newhoff, he's a pastor, or he was a pastor in Canada, and he, and he shares it this way. If, if Dr. Cloud had his three Ps, uh, Pastor Newhoff has his three R's, right? Because R comes after P, so this is how we're going to follow it up. And there are three R's, and the first thing we've already talked about, the first one is this, we have to recognize. We have to recognize the pattern. Right? We have to recognize what's going on. Recognize the pattern that we're falling into. Identify it, right? We have to recognize the pattern. Then we have to reject it. What does that look like? Rejecting it. Reject the lie. Identify the lie. 
hey, this is a lie. What are those lies that you believe? What are those things that the enemy tells you, right? I'm no good. I'll never be any good. My dad said I'd never be any good. You know what? So this is just how I am, right? I'm never, I'm never going to have anything. I'm never going to amount to anything, right? And these are lies that we believe. And, and honestly, that's, that's all the enemy needs. That's all the weaponry he needs to keep us down because we'll just cop to it. It's like, yep, yeah, that's it. That's, that's it, you know? And he steals our potential not because he's got power over us. It's because we've just believed his lie. But what would happen if we believe God's truth? What would happen if we begin to look and say, all right, I'm recognizing that these are patterns and these are lies. I'm, 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 I'm going to believe God's truth for me. I'm going to identify what the lie is, and I'm going to identify what the truth is. So you have to ask yourself sometimes. You know this is a lie, right? Have you ever asked yourself that? <laughs> have, have you ever stopped and, and thought something and, and then thought, that's a lie? Maybe you've had somebody else say that to you, and that's the great thing about the church, that we allow people in our life to speak to us and speak truth to us because sometimes maybe we can't say it. We need somebody else to say it for us. And, and hearing somebody say that, I, I'm, I'm so uh, happy that I have so many people that surround me. We have elders at this church. We have leadership at this church. I, we have great staff at this church. I'm surrounded in my home by godly people, a godly wife, and I have people around me that will help me identify what is, what is a lie and what is true. And sometimes the lies are easier to live with because they don't require me to have to, you know, do anything else. They don't re require me to have to do the hard work of actually living out the truth. Right? And, and, and so for that, when we begin to talk truthful things and we begin to talk about these things, and we say, hey, listen, that's a lie. That's not true. Me and Rainy, we, we talk about that, and sometimes we have to just identify for each other. It's like, hey, that's, that's not true. You know, you're just caught up in this emotion of everything's bad. This Zaxby, every Zaxby in the world is bad. And maybe every Zaxby in the world is bad. That may be true. I don't know. If, as Zaxby's, if you're watching, I love you, man. I love your chicken, you know. I love that, that you know, that fried goodness. Um, but we have to. We have to recognize. We have to recognize the pattern. We have to reject the lie. You have to ask yourself, you know this is a, a lie, right? And you say stuff like this. You know, I, I think I, 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 people have said this to me, and, and maybe this is true. I don't know. But you are never, and I love what Kerry Newhoff said. He says, says this. He says, you're never as good as what you think you are, <laughs> right? On your good days, you're never that good. And you're never as bad as what you think you are on your bad days. And it's, and it's being able to, to say, you know what? This is true. I, I'm, man, it's, it's, sometimes you can get prideful. People pass, oh, that was great, Pastor. That's awesome. You know, yeah, that was good, wasn't it, right? You're never as good as what you think you are. And, you know, those, those times that I failed, those, those moments that I've had are just like I've blown it. I'm like, man, it's horrible. I'm just a horrible person. I'm a horrible pastor. I'm a horrible leader. It's like, hey, you're never that bad. Sometimes you go overboard with that. And we have to be able to keep that balance. And we have to be able to see things as they are and see the truth as what it is. See, Dr. Cloud says it like this. He says, you, sometimes you have to make two columns. You have to sit down with a piece of paper and make two columns. 
And uh, on one column, you have to write everything you can't control. Are there things in this life you can't control? Right? There are things in this life I cannot control. There are things in this life you cannot control. He says in the next column, you write down the things you can't control. He says, and once you realize, hey, these are things that I can't control, I can't worry about that, I can't focus on that, he says, then write in this other column the things you can't control. He says, that's what you act on. He said, focus on what you can control, not on what you can't. See, people who make progress do what they can. The people who make progress in their life are the ones who look and see, well, I can't do this. That's okay. I can't, I can't do anything about that, but I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do this. And so I'm going to follow the path of progress and work on those things that I can. Right? And, and, and so we have to reject the lie. We have to recognize the pattern, reject the lie, identify the lie, and reject it. And then we have to redirect our emotions. So these three, these three R's, recognize, reject, and redirect, right? What is redirect? This is what Pastor Newhoff says. He says, focus on what you know is true, not on what you feel is true. Focus on what you know is true, not what you feel. How many of you know your feelings sometimes will lead you astray? If you've gotten into these things, this is personal now. I'm just bad, you know, and it's pervasive. I'm just I'm bad and everybody else is bad, right? That's how I feel. That's how I felt yesterday at Zaxby's. I felt everything was bad. I was and then in that moment I was realizing as I sat down to pray, give to give thanks for this this bad chicken, right? And and I, I'm sitting there thinking, gosh, I have really let this just just kind of skew my day to that point. And and it was it was a stark contrast to me in that moment. It's like, Ryan, you get a choice here. You get a chance to just let this ruin your day and, and ruin your, your, the rest of what's going to happen. Or you could choose right now to focus on what is true and what is good. And I began to thank God, I got this chicken in front of me finally, you know, and that's good. I appreciate that, Lord. Thank you. You know, and, and that's, I think that's some of the power that gratitude has. You want to talk about, about things that we need to give power to? That's why we need to be grateful people is that we're grateful. This is, these are things that I've been given. There are things that I can't control. You know what? What are the things I can't control? God, thank you for that. Thank you that I can do this. Thank you that I can do this. Thank you that I can do this. God, thank you for the things that I can do. I am grateful for that. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. So we have to recognize, we have to reject, and then we have to redirect. And we might have to say something like that, like this. Well, this is hard, and I can learn, but I'm not as bad as I think I am right now, and not everything is a mess, and it's certainly not permanent, okay? Last scripture I want to give you today is Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. That's where I'm going to start, and you know this. Some of you guys have this framed in your home. Philippians chapter 4, you got that, Blake? I'll read that. This is what it says. It says, let your reasonableness... I love that. I stopped when I read that. Because you know what? Sometimes lies and the stuff that it gets us wrapped up into. How many of you have ever become unreasonable? Right? You ever got, just got wound up and it's like, and somebody says, you're being unreasonable right now. And that just winds you up even more. Don't, I know it might be true, but don't tell me that. Right? So I stopped right here when I read this. Let your reasonableness let your reasonableness be known to everyone. 
Most of the time we let our unreasonableness known, be known to everyone. Let our reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything, the legal definition of everything is it includes all and excludes nothing. <laughs> okay? It includes all and excludes nothing. So, so I'm not going to be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Gratitude. God, thank you so much. That's why in that moment, I didn't need, what I needed in that moment yesterday was not so much that Zaxby's chicken to fill my belly. Was I, what I needed was that moment right there more than anything to help that contrast come out to me and says I need to be grateful I need to be thankful to me that that just stood out big time to me your supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God verse 7 it goes on next verse and it says and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. He says, arrest these thoughts. And what do we do? We're going we're gonna to be grateful. We're going to identify what's a lie, and we're going to identify what's true, and we're going to act on what's true, right? And we're going to think about what's true, and, and we're going to be grateful for what's true. And when we're doing this, this is God's peace. It's going to guard our heart and our mind, right? And he goes on. He goes on the next verse. He says, finally, brothers, Whatever is what? True. Not what is a lie. Not as what's horrible. He said, whatever is true. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is just. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what? Think about these things. Think about these things. He says, that's there's things you can't control. What can you control? You know what? I, I can't control the things I'm grateful for. God, let me start there. Let me be grateful for this. Let me be grateful for that. Let me be grateful for, for what, I, what I have right now in my God, thank you that I have. Thank you for my family. Some of y'all need to do that today. Some of you need to thank God for your husband. That one sounded personal. Some of you need to thank God for your wives. Amen. So we need to think about such things where we start and say, let me stop. Let me stop this. And let me focus on this. This is what I have. God, help me. Help me to be grateful. Help me to be mindful of what I have, what you've given me. Lord, when you make, when you make that your focus, it becomes bigger. Whatever you make your focus, that's what's going to be biggest in your life. So if you make your problems your focus, you know what's going to be biggest in your life? Your problems. But if you make the focus the things that you're grateful for, those things will enlarge themselves in your life. Can you stand with me?